Amen, amen. Open with me in your copy of God's Word. This morning we're in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 here this morning. Continue our service, or our series, I should say, in the book of Romans. Again, happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers here that have joined us. Um, and I do want to recognize as well that I, that I know this day can be hard for some of us who um, may have lost our, our mother or grandmother or whomever that might be. I um, hope today you can think about the time that you were able to spend with them and be able to cherish that time that you had. I know how difficult that, that sometimes it can be. But uh, thank God we were able to spend the time that we had with those people in our family and the things that um, they, were, uh, they did for us and the things that we got to do for them. So I don't want to miss that opportunity. You know, as we think about those, those rough times where we lose someone that is, is close to us, you know, that's one of multiple challenges that we just have to deal with in this life where things just don't always uh, go our way or things unexpected that might come that we just have to deal with and kind of roll with. Uh, life is filled with multiple challenges. You, you might be, again, mourning a, a loved one, a parent, a grandparent. Um, you, you may have lost a job or perhaps uh, you've had a, a health setback. You had a, a difficult relationship. There's I can go on for days and days about the challenges that come up in our lives. But even through all this, I want you to know if you follow Christ, you still can have hope. If you follow Jesus, there still is hope for you. There's, there's hope for me. There's hope for all of us. In this fallen world, even when the economy is tanking, the government is incompetent, and people are becoming more and more perverse, um, people don't value life. Even through all this, God's children are people of hope. And, and, and it's, it's tough sometimes because we walk around me mugging with our resting Baptist face. But we, we need to understand that we, we are not like everybody else in the world, that we do and can have hope because of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done. But you still might ask the question, well, why? Why, why can't we have hope right now? And it's because we have this, this glorious future that is ahead of us and that we have a, a Savior that loves and protects us. That's why we can have hope. Even in the midst of sorrow, even in the midst of challenges, when things don't go our way or things come up unexpected and, and we just don't know what we're going to do, where we're going to turn, we can still have hope. Now, that doesn't mean you just walk around and stuff everything down and put a smile on your face like everything's good. Your stuff is bad sometimes, but even through the bad times, we can see God's grace. We can see God's handiwork on us, even when times are rough, even where we don't know where to turn. Isn't it, isn't it funny how God always provides? E even when you don't know, I don't know how I'm going to pay my electric bill this month, and somehow... He makes it happen. You might be later or something might show up. You, you never know, but God is there. God shows up for us. This morning in our text, the Apostle Paul tells us there is hope for God's people and there is help for us when we feel weak. 
this morning, Romans 8. We're going to start in, in, in um, actually, we're going to start in, in, in verse 16. It says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, and in order that we might also be glorified with him. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is revealed within us. Paul here is, is telling us there is a price for us when we identify ourselves with Jesus. There's a price for us to pay, but there's also a treasure awaiting us. For, for Paul's hearers, the, the early believers, they dealt with economic and social persecution, while others even faced death. I mean, they talk about bad times. The, the hearers of this, this letter that Paul is writing, they were dealing with some horrible and difficult times. But I guarantee whatever suffering, whatever pain or frustration or disappointment that you have here today is nothing compared to the glory that awaits you as a child of God. Let me say that again. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with today, all the, the anguish, the suffering, the pain, the frustration, the disappointment, anything that you're dealing with today is nothing compared to the glory that awaits you as a child of God. You can have some tough days, but when you get to, get to heaven, you get to spend the rest of eternity with, with your father, you won't remember any of the pain that you have today all the frustration or anybody who wronged you or, or talked to you crazy, none of that will be on your radar because you will be with the Father. Paul knows what it's like to suffer. Remember who Paul is, right? He, he knew what it was like to suffer. And in fact, he said, if you forgot, he wrote a letter to the Corinthians and he, he details everything out. He's like, hey, let me tell you what it's like to suffer. You want to talk about suffering? Let's, let's measure notes. How about that? In 2 Corinthians, he says, here's what it looks like to suffer. He talks about being jailed and, and whipped, lashed, beaten with rods, stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was robbed. He, he went without food, nearly dying countless times. Not to mention that he had this thorn in his breast. We don't know what this thorn was, but it was bad. That he dealt with every day of his life. He, he, he was so bad, he asked the Lord to just take it away from him because he didn't know what to do. But he realized this in 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. And it says, the Lord told him, my grace is sufficient for you. Oof. For, for the, my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That's something when you get to a place like that. When, when you trust him so much that, that you just, just know, I, you know, I'm just going to roll through all of this. This particular verse is one, one that came up for me when, when uh, it felt the Lord calling me to, to serve you as pastor. And I was like, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to be able to do that. How am I going to be able to work a full-time job and be able to pastor a church and, and tend to my family and do all these different things? I don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. And I, I tried to pull my, if you know me, you know my testimony is I tried so hard to run from the Lord as long as I could. <laughs> And the Lord just kept pulling me back. The Lord just kept pulling me, pulling me, pulling me, and drawing me. And so when this, this calling came up, I, I, Lord, I don't know. But hey, if, if you're in this, 
then I know you'll make it work. And this verse is one that came to my mind and just, it kept pounding me just every day I'd wake up with this on my, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. I said, Lord, I got a lot of weakness. I'm so weak, I just would just fall out into a puddle. That's how much, how weak I am. And I don't know how, but the Lord made it work. You might have something else to say. I mean, I try to do the best I can, but, but the Lord is here. The Lord is, is moving, and he's proving to me every day that he is Lord. He is Savior, and he is good. This is what Paul realized himself, and you know, many of us won't have to go through uh, a, a fraction of the things that Paul went through, but through all of the things that he went through, he still put his hope in the Lord. I know it's tough. I know it's challenging, but God is good. You might feel alone, but you are not. God is with you. And realize this, that the path of glory leads through suffering. That's how we get to, to glory. That's, that's what it looks like on the map is in order to get to glory, we got to go through hard times. In order to get to the green pastures, we got to go through the valley of the shadow of death. That's just the way it is. And that's so that we can realize that we have a savior that loves and cares for us. He says that the current sufferings are not worth anything compared to the glory that is yet to come. So when you rightly consider suffering from a heavenly perspective and think about eternity, you realize that the suffering that you have here on earth is just like uh, uh, water in a shot glass compared to the ocean. Your suffering that you're going through is, is you can put it in a thimble compared to eternity that's away for us that fills the entire ocean. That's what it looks like for us. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 17, it says, For this light momentary affliction, this light momentary affliction is preparing for, for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And as we look not to the things that are, are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We spend too much time worrying about the things that are seen here and what we're struggling with and what's in front of our face. But when we look at it and, and think about eternity, we get our minds right and think about the right things, you would notice that your life changes, that everything matters more because you have a deeper and, and higher purpose. So why, why, why is Paul so confident about this glory that is yet to come. How, how is he able to do this? Look with me in verse 19. He says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the Son of God. For the, the creation was subjected to fertility and not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So as we look at the world 
through, through this biblical lens like, like Paul is doing, we see that the, the world is in bondage to sin and it's causing decay. We've, we've talked about this before. Either you're a slave to sin or you're a slave to Christ. Sin brings death and Christ brings life. And, and, and so the world is, is wrapped up in this, this, this slavery and this bondage and they're slaves to it and it's causing decay. Don't we see this? Don't we see the degrading of the, the, the life today? And we, we can't even define various words anymore. It's common sense. You can look up in a dictionary, but we want to have arguments about them. The, the, it seems like the world is just going crazy. This is filled with sin and decay, but we as Christians, we don't have to be pessimistic. We, we don't have to be burdened by this because we have a hope of future glory. Look, stuff is bad right now, but I, I'm looking to the future. I'm looking towards eternity. Uh, we, I always say this. We have this Amazon Prime mentality. I want everything right now or next day. But when you look at eternity, that's where glory is. That's where our reward is. That's what we should be looking toward. That's, that's what's driving us to get out of our bed every day because I'm getting closer and closer to the glory that I'm going to experience in eternity. Not because the economy is down and I don't know what was me and stuff is just not working out. My stocks are down. I'm losing my retirement. No, I'm getting closer to glory. I'm getting closer to spending my time in eternity with my father. We get to look forward to this new heaven and new earth that God has promised to us. That's why we can have hope. We get to look forward to God freeing us and freeing the world from sin. God is going to come and fix all this. He's going to come and, and repair the world and take away sin, take away sickness, take away the evil. Slavery and decay will be replaced with freedom and renewal. That's what we have to look forward to. So when that day comes, when that day comes, we'll also get resurrected bodies. Some of y'all walking around with aches and pains. And, you know, when I walk down steps now, I hear all these clicks and pops and stuff. I'm like, what's going on? Like, it sounds like, you know, a snack crackle and pop over here in my, my bones. And... But one day when Christ returns, he's going to give us these new glorious bodies. He's going to take away those aches and pains and those pops and we will be restored. We will be renewed. If nothing else, look forward to that, right? I know it hurt to get out of bed this morning, but look forward to the day where you won't have to experience that getting out of bed. When that day comes, we'll have resurrected bodies. And while we wait for that day to come, we can continue our mission. And our mission is to tell people about Christ. That's, that's what you're here for. You, people want to spend time, oh, I need to go travel the world to go find myself. I need to read all these books and so that I can know and understand and try to figure out what my purpose is. God is very clear. He, he tells us exactly what we're here to do. And we are to make disciples. Let me tell you something. If you're a Christian and, and you call yourself a Christian and have been one for years and years, you've made no disciples. I got a question. I got a question who you follow. I got a question if you spend time reading your Bible and get to know him, if you haven't replicated yourself, if you haven't told anybody about Jesus, well, I'm not, a, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a theologian. He didn't ask you to be an evangelist or a theologian. He told you to go tell somebody about me. 
And now we want to go and talk about, hey, I got, you want to come look at my new house? I got this car, I got this new job, or this new grand, grandbaby, whatever. We, we want to go and shout that from the rooftops. When it comes to Jesus, all of a sudden we shy. All of a sudden we don't want to offend nobody. Nobody want to see all your, your thousand pictures of your babies. You can pick one or two and that's fine. We don't need to go through the whole reel. But when it comes to talking about Jesus, all of a sudden we, we want to get timid. But that's the whole goal. That's the whole point is to tell people about Jesus. And let me tell you something. When the whole world has this opportunity to know and to hear about Jesus, the sooner that he's going to come back. So, so let's expedite this. Let's, let's ex, 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 uh, do this timeline so it comes up a little faster. So that everybody, let's, let's let the whole world know at the top of the rooftops. That's why I love that we're able to stream and people in Brazil and in Spain and in China across the world are be able to see this very message here today. And they do when they comment, I want to get this word out. I, I, I can't make trips over there all the time, but I can leverage the tools that God has given us so that people can hear the good news. But I can't do it by myself. Yeah, you all know people that I don't know. You all know people that, that would, they resonate with you more than they would resonate with me. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about who it is and what he's done for you in your life so that they might have the hope that lies within you. At least I hope that it is. You know, just as a mother has to push through the pain of childbirth to give new life, we're also called to push through the trials and suffering in order to experience the joy of that glorious life that is yet to come. We got to push through. We got to keep our eyes focused on eternity to get us through this momentary affliction. So somehow, I don't know how, but when you watch these televangelists, these prosperity preachers, somehow they miss this. I don't think they read the same Bible I do. And when they talk about all this, this health and, and wealth and, and, and well-being and all this kind of stuff that, that God wants you to be this way, I, I think they just missed this and various other places in the Bible when they talk about all those kind of things. They are perverting the gospel for personal gain, it seems like. I'm, I, don't mean, I don't know them personally. I'm just saying it don't line up. I don't know how they gather that God wants us to be healthy and wealthy and comfortable when that wasn't true either for the apostles. How, how, how are you different? How, how are you so special? It, the Bible I read, it says nobody's good. No, not one. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but y'all hear what I'm saying. Read your Bibles. The Bible doesn't hide the fact that this, 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 uh, world is filled with pain. The, the world is filled with struggle. Scripture is filled with example after example of its various kinds of suffering. In fact, Isaiah 53 explains that we worship a Savior who was the suffering servant. How are you going to be better or different than Jesus? The suffering servant. Oh, you to be up with your legs kicked up and be healthy and wealthy and have it good. Interesting. Paul goes on to say in Romans 8 and 23, says not only the 
creation, but ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groaning inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope is seen, uh, hope that is seen is not hope, but uh, for those who hope, for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So as we read through the scripture, there's, there's a sense of uh, where we're, uh, we, we call this the already not yet, right? So Paul describes this, this salvation, right? If once you uh, believe and confess, you know, you are at that moment, you are saved and in that present time. But there's a, there's a past, there's a present, and there's a future of this salvation that takes place. So we're saved, again, at the moment that we confess Christ. Um, Romans 3, if you remember this, Romans 3 and 21, kind of it, it details this out. It says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This is to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over the former sins and it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and be the justifier for the one who has faith in Jesus, right? So that's present, that's right now. And our new eternal life begins at that moment that we submit our lives to Christ, right then on the spot. Uh, Jesus said is, is finished, right? So once you confess, and, hey, you, you're saved, but, but Jesus has already done all the work. So we're saved right now in the present through um, uh, the process of sanctification. So in the past, we, we were saved, right? But also in the present, we're being made new. We're being reformed. We, we're being renewed. There's still a work going on within us that is uh, 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 saving us along the way. Remember, sanctification is, is this, you know, churchy word that the, that the Bible uses that, that means that God is continuously doing the work and making us more like Christ. He sets us apart and guides us to maturity and, and uh, gives us some progressive holiness. That's what sanctification is and means. So while we were saved, right, nobody can snatch us out of his hand. There's still work that goes on inside us in the present time. But even though we were saved and we're being saved right now, there's still more to come. We, there, we haven't reached there yet. We haven't uh, uh, attained glory yet. We haven't fully received the benefits and the, the blessings of salvation that will be ours when Christ's new kingdom is complete. We're not there yet. And so there's still more for us to look forward to, right? That past, present, and future. Soon, the groaning that we hear, the groaning that we do, soon that will all come to an end and those who are in Christ will experience glory. But until then, we wait. We wait for Christ's return. 
while we wait, we have the Holy Spirit to intercede for us. So even though, even through your groaning and frustration and your challenges and all that stuff, and you don't even know what to pray, we have the Holy Spirit that knows exactly what we need to intercede for us on our behalf. Verse 27 says, And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Brothers and sisters, you might not always know what to do or to say, but the Holy Spirit resides in you to shape you, to mold you into his image. And he'll give you what you need in that present moment to do what it is that he needs for you to do. Again, so you don't have to be an evangelist, a theologian, because you have everything you need right now. You have everything you needed to make to the next day. You have everything you need in order to to show people uh, Christ-likeness. You have everything you need to tell somebody about Jesus right now. Right now. I want you to take this with you today. Again, I don't know where where you are, and I, I know life is tough. I've gone through my fair share of things, am going through my fair share of things. But I just have to remind myself, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying that's what you got to do, is remind yourself of the gospel. Remind yourself about who you serve and what he's done for you. Get around some folk who know Jesus and understand who've been through some stuff. And talk to them and and let them pray with you. Let them pray for you. So you can remind yourself about how good it is. So you don't focus as much on on what's not working right now. Instead, focus on what's yet to come. What awaits for us in glory as we get to spend forever and eternity with him. Focus your mind on that today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what, what a gracious God you've been. It's, it's really too easy for us to get mired down in stuff that just doesn't work. Uh, we have the, the media outlets that, that want to just fill us with fear, uncertainty, and doubt. That want us to be looking around every corner for the various boogeymans that they created. While the evil one walks around here laughing pulling us astray. Help us, Father. Remind us of who you are and what you've done. How good you are. Help us to meditate on those things. Give us the time and the courage to spend with you in your word. Help us to be on our knees with you in prayer. Help us to combat all the negativity that's coming to our minds and our, our, our lives and, and help us to, to combat that with what is true, what is real, what is good. And that's only found with you in your word. Help us to reprioritize our lives so that 
if we call ourselves Christians, that we, we do uh, do everything that we can to have a relationship with you and continue to, to strengthen those bonds that we have so that we can experience true freedom in our lives. But, but not for us just to be selfish with it, but so that we can go out and, and to share it with other people that we can go to uh, someone in the midst of their own hurting and tell them about how good you are, how great you've been, and, and the examples that we have throughout the annals of time of who you are and what you've done. So they too might be able to have hope and they can come to us or someone else and say, what must I do to be saved? Father, help us here today. We come to you with thanksgiving in our hearts, praising your name, and we say thank you. And we do this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.